Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. My name's Dominic. And I'm Parker. And welcome everyone to Craft Brews and Tons of Cartoons. Just a couple dudes sipping brews, talking tunes. And this week we're tuning in to the month of April 2021. Grab a beer and let's get started. Big month. Also, the last podcast before our mini hiatus. Just for taking a a month to a two month break, but we got a big project coming up that's probably going to take some time. So we thought a good break will make us work harder. But we got a lot of good stuff going on. We got a lot of great news. A lot of interesting news, a lot of awesome trailers, cartoons that we've been watching, and our beer and breweries of the month. So, Parker, what was Mm. your brewery of the month? Well, Dominic, this month, to kind of celebrate a lot of our European films, I am having imbibing an Einstock beer, Mm. which is an Icelandic brewery. It's really, like, they use glacier water. It's really, so it's been really interesting to, to... See, so they just have like a collection of them at my local liquor store. So I've tried the white ale. So it's kind of like a very light spiced type thing to it. They have a very clean tasting stout. Clean tasting is like the big overarching thing with these guys. They use glacier water. All of the notes from the ingredients themselves are very prominent, but also very light. And today I'm going to round out the month with their Icelandic Wee Heavy. And for me, my brewery of the month is Bearded Iris Brewing. Now, I've had a few of the beers from Bearded Iris on this podcast. I think two of them. Definitely Tunnel Vision and the... I think it's Easy Pills or something Pilsner. Um, But obviously, their home-style IPA is probably their most popular IPA and probably the most popular IPA in all of Nashville when I work it's the most requested beer, I think, at my job, even though we don't even hmm. have it. Wow. Okay. That, I mean, if, you're, if your beer is so good, people will ask for it, even though it's not on tap or on bottle, then you know you have a good beer. Right. Um, but I've, I've had their Tunnel Vision. It's really good. The Attention Please is an awesome double IPA that I've had on here. They have a lot of great stuff, and I've visited their brewery itself. It's... Not as big as I would have thought, but also at the same time, a majority of the brewery is the production side, and only a Mm. small part of it is the tasting room side. But when you go in, 
it's a pretty spacious room where you get to see like the production and everything but it's like kind of this like showy chill vibe for the tasting room and they got a nice patio too Hmm. though if you're not a beer drinker like my fiance is they don't have any you know thing else yeah they just have water and beer which if you're like me awesome but if you're like her i'm i'm sorry (laughs) but they have really good stuff unfortunately the beer that i have for this podcast isn't the same that goes with that, but I have Jackal Brewing's uh, Bear Walker, which is a maple uh, maple brown ale. Really like it. I've had it before. Just thought I'd try it again for this podcast. And yeah, so those are the breweries of the month. And we got a lot of news to go through. So while we pour these babies and get ready, take a listen to some of our sponsors. With Lucky Landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No All righty, we are back. I'm having the Bear Walker from Jackal Brewing Company. Maple Brown. Really simple. It's really just a solid brown ale. Goes down the throat really easy. Great maple taste, but not really overpowering in terms of the flavor. I think that's what I'm starting to figure out. If it's too heavily focused on the flavor profile, I'm not going to like the beer as much. But if it's just like a hint that really gets that original beer taste to it, I think it's really solid. And that's what Bear Walker is. It's probably one of the most solid beers in Nashville. I love Jackalope Brewing Company. And yeah, just positive stuff. And on my end, we have a very dark amber-colored Wee Heavies. Not was not expecting that, but I'm, I'm def- getting some very good malted scents from it. Definitely on the sweeter and definitely kind of on the boozier side. So, I mean, I'll, we'll, we'll be trying this throughout the pod. Let's uh, get started. So, you know, what happened this past Sunday as of recording was the Academy Awards, the 93rd Academy Awards. And for best animated feature, Soul won, making it the 11th category win for Pixar and 14th for Pixar Disney. And best animated short went to Will McCormick and Michael Govier's If Anything Happens, I Love You, which Parker watched. I haven't watched it yet, but good stuff. In related news, the sunny midday sky is blue. The Midwest has strange weather, especially during the spring, and people have strong feelings about the previous election. So it's kind of a no-brainer. 
that Disney one. However, what was the bigger news coming out of it was that this was the lowest ratings draw for the Oscars ever, with only 9.3 million viewers compared to last year, which was in the 22 million. So it had a huge drop off. Like, man. Yeah, it's because no one watched. Like, have you? Did you see the best picture pack category? I, I had no. I not only had I not like I the only one I recognized was Nomadland, and I hadn't like I hadn't seen any of the rest of them. I hadn't heard any of the rest of them. Right. Like, like the only categories I knew well were the animated categories, as well as like yeah. special effects, I guess. But at the same time, like just COVID's just like kicked everybody's ass in terms of award shows i mean i watched the grammys but i know the grammys didn't have ratings at all i know most award shows this year haven't because i mean when because people are finally realizing that award shows suck in general no i think it's just like because we my thing is is that because 2020 was so weird and we were stuck in our homes all day that we felt like there wasn't much going on. Whereas if you go to previous years of like award shows and stuff, it's like seeing concerts live and movies and everything. There was more of like a buzz to them. And there wasn't really much this year. I mean, I know Nomadland was on Hulu or is on Hulu currently. I know. I mean, they haven't, they have like a collection. Hulu has a collection. Netflix has, they all have collections of all these movies, but Nobody felt like watching a challenging film last year. And also... Because last year was a challenging film. (laughs) Oh, man. The documentary that will be of 2020 will be insane. I can't wait. It's going to happen like five years. I will say, though, I mean, going back to the actual movies, yeah, it's hard to say that Soul didn't deserve that that win, though. Yeah, I... I don't like the Academy. I don't think they have generally make good choices. I just think there was this... Like, Soul is deserving. The Academy did not think on this. I know they did not. It was definitely an easy choice rather than, like, you know, see the other films. And and the thing is, it's like most of the people that nominate films, they don't even give the anime category a chance. Mm-hmm. So they no, only go just, with the mainstream, ask, you know? They just, they just ask what their kids watched. And they get to pick what their kids watch. Right. And I remember there was a com. I remember like a year ago, there was like a leaked image of a review for the Academy Awards for the anime category. And one of them says, I don't watch animated films. It's for kids. So I only vote for the only things I knew. So it's like, come on. Academy. Yeah. Sorry. Well, cuss the Academy. I will say though, um, how about this? It's more of it's you. more of the voters that really yeah. deserve the the shit because the they're not giving animation a chance. Now back to what yeah. you were saying. I was gonna say I hadn't really watched. I watched the Pixar short this year, the one that was with Soul. Burrow. I gotta say, between that one and if anything happens, I love you. I ha- would have to give it to the anything. If anything happens, I love you because of how good it is. Right. <laughs> but that said, I hadn't actually watched. I haven't watched the other ones and unlike the academy it's not because i don't watch animation it's because i've been busy and those are the only ones that were readily available for me to see yeah and the thing is like burrow is cute but i feel like if anything happens i love you just hit 
differently. Yeah. And it's kind of like how Hero Love last year hit a bunch of people in the heart. So let's go to some, I'm not going to say lighter news, but let's get to some like more interesting, relevant news that I think uh, people are going to like. Right. So got a couple of major, I guess, animation division shakeups at Disney and at Warner Media. So basically, end of March, uh, Disney Television launched a new division exclusively devoted to adult animation. It's called 20th Century Animation. The division will oversee series previously in production at Fox, including The Simpsons, Family Guy, Bob's Burgers, and American Dad. It has several series in production as well, including The Great North, Duncanville, Central Park, and Solar Opposites. It's also developing several other projects across Hulu and HBO Max. Former 20th Century Fox executive Marcy Prieto will head the new division. Hmm. So that's pretty fun. And on the other side, Warner Media Studios has united Adult Swim and HBO Max adult animation development teams and appointed Susanna Makos as executive vice president of original comedy and adult animation. <laughs> the plan is to increase synergy, expertise, and influence, that's a quote from the, from the article, as a consolidated team. Makos is a 20-year veteran of Fox and oversaw Bob's Burgers, The Great North, and other productions from Fox, basically. Right. That has to be the most made-up title of all time. <laughs> well, what, 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 I've, what I've should heard we worse. Co- Not off the top of my head, but I know I've heard worse. But, like, seriously, it's like, go down the studio of, like, Warner. It's like, hmm, where's the office of the vice president of original comedy and adult animation? I mean, so it, I think part of it is that it's um, a demonstration to show that she reports to the uh, heads of Adult Swim and HBO Max Animation, but also is distinct. Like it, it specifies her as doing this particular thing. Now that said, I don't know how I feel about. Like I, I think this is cool. It's cool to see that both of these companies are trying to really nail their adult animation voice. But at the same time, I don't know how I feel about the fact that both of them are headed by, like, 20th Century Fox executives. Yeah. It's kind of crazy how Disney is even seeping through HBO Max. Like, not like it's owned by Disney, but, like, their shows are starting to just creep in literally every streaming service known to God's green earth. And it's like, Disney just will not hide. (laughs) <laughs> it owns everything. It owns everything. It's going to own us. Tentacled, the great tentacled Mastulu. Yeah. It's in everything. This was going to happen anyway, and the whole 20th yeah. century animation makes sense rather than giving it like the whole da 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 and that's like crass humor and all that stuff. It's like, let's just put the 20th century Fox brand on it. That way they know it's adult. And I'm just like, come on stupid hopefully this at least encourages them to go the creative adult animation route when it comes to these as opposed to diving into more of the crass humor that 20th century fox is known for that both of these people worked on but at the same time i think they're like the the resume is also like doesn't really give much confidence to that oh wonderful great well like the Simpsons, Family Guy, Bob's Burgers, American Dad, The Great North, Duncanville, Central. Like I love Central Park. 
but at the same but time, it fits that umbrella. The only thing that's like different is solar opposites, but that's still technically that at least like goes full ham, right? The other like full ham dark comedy, right? And like I love Bob's Burgers, I love American Dad, Simpsons, and Family Guy have finally been in that like it's too old demographic. Like later seasons of House, I get that. Like the Great North is just. No. Not that great. Too Canadian. Dunk. Too Canadian for your sensibilities. Well, it's Alaska. Too Alaskan for your sensibilities. <laughs> I just don't know how I feel about it. Um, Duncanville is just not good. God help Amy Poehler, but like, no. <laughs> um, and, and well, you'll, you'll hear my opinion of Sol- the latest season of Solar Opposites later on this episode. But um, final thoughts about this. You know, it's cool that there that there is a focus. It's cool that there is a market um, there is like a an acknowledging of this anim, adult animation market, right? But it this doesn't make me feel good about how the creativity side is going to distinguish itself. It's gonna be a wait and see kind of thing that we're just gonna have to, you know, obviously what I just said. But based on its resume, even though there are good shows, it doesn't really invoke confidence of diversity but in other news the u.s department of justice is halting the country roll acquisition so in late march sony's plan to purchase country roll from warner media has been slowed for antitrust review by the united states department of justice because country roll and funimation which is owned by sony are major Mm -hmm anime distributors to the u.s the acquisition may limit options for distribution for anime studios although both warner media and sony have reported the other competitors exist in the animation distribution market including netflix amazon hulu however that said it's worth mentioning that since 2016 sony acquired french anime distributor wakanim the australian distributor madman anime and funimation in order to consolidate those three and sony's own aniplex into a joint venture under the funimation name as well funimation has a first look streaming deal with hulu and it could take over six months after which the department can approve it or sue to block it we have two articles that'll be in the show notes the anime news network article and the cartoon brew article give you a lot of information but what do you think about this parker it's funny so i was talking about this with my brother my brother was okay with the acquisition because he thinks it's a greater consolidation for distribution Mm -hmm. um, at least streaming distribution in the u.s i lean more towards the antitrust side i it bothered me that both crunchyroll and funimation would be consolidating and yeah would be a very i mean because crunchyroll is huge funimation is likewise huge but the fact that you could get, um, they could, you know, put on different anime on their own terms. And Crunchyroll had their own animated series. That, to me, made it look like a serious contraction in how anime can come to the U.S. Like I, I, It made sure to include the stuff about Funimation in there because it is not as green light as, you know, Netflix having their stuff as Amazon and Hulu having their stuff. I don't really think of Amazon as being a big anime distributor beyond the retro crunch. Um, I know it's not called retro crunch. It's just escaping me, but I do like that stuff, but it's not the same thing as when it comes to 
Netflix it isn't the or same, Hulu. It is not the same thing as when it comes down to uh, to newer anime titles. And I will say though, the, uh, the I think the most interesting thing from these articles is that Cartoon Brews article. They mention that the Association of Japanese Animation consider the rise in adult-oriented animation in North America as a major competitor to anime, which is like that's saying i mean that's that's really interesting because for one like for like a good while anime was like the different grown-up the different older animation thing you could watch that wasn't highbrow european art films that wasn't the fox animation stuff or the comedy central stuff or you know kids animation that just you know you got lucky and it was ahead of its time and I think it's it's really interesting to see that there is enough of a development in the adult animation, you know, Western animation side to where it's actually like a serious competitor for the older anime animation viewing market. Yeah, that is kind of interesting. If you look at like Netflix and their like, I'm putting quotation marks, Americanized anime shows like, what's an example? Isn't so do you mean like Castlevania? Castlevania or, do you mean like or like Netflix original anime? I'm not talking about like Netflix original anime. I'm talking about like how it's like it's called an anime series, but is it really kind of thing? Like uh, Blood of Zeus. Okay, yeah, fair enough. Blood of Zeus, Castlevania. So just like the cartoon Frederator. Yeah, because like. I wouldn't really consider it anime unless it's like actually made in Japan. That's my well, thing. I think the point is that it's that those types of shows are beginning to crowd into the type of viewing right. that anime watchers kind of want out of it. Like it definitely appeals to the same tastes. No, I get it. It is very interesting that they're giving at least modern adult animation such high praise. Which I wouldn't call it praise, but at least an indication that they're. Uh, well, I mean, a major. Like, hey, we gotta like. Hey, a major competitor. That's high praise to adult animation. If if anime, and well, at if, the same time, Funimation considers Amazon Prime a major competitor to its anime market. Well, have you ever used Funimation? A few times. Is it actually a good streaming service? Because doesn't it have a streaming um, service? It does, yeah. They have their own streaming service. Uh, they do. I think they're most known. They are most known for the sp- simulcasts gotcha. of um, a lot of series, but namely like My Hero Academia and stuff like that. Yeah. My my anyway constant joke is just like as soon as the acquisition happens, it's just going to be Christopher Sabat everywhere. So that's always my joke. <laughs> I say it every time we talk about this shit. We'll talk about this again in like six months. You know, probably. In the meantime, though, in cooler news, there have been a few pretty big distribution deals signed this month, especially if you're into anime. So starting off, Netflix and Sony have secured a deal for streaming Sony's theatrical films in the first TV window, beginning with Sony's 2022 slate of movies. Brief correction, those would be the animated movies specifically. Right. Effectively, this means that the movies will premiere in theaters, then on physical release, and then exclusively on Netflix for 18 months. After that 18-month period, though, those films will release on Disney+, Plus, 
per a separate agreement Sony signed with Disney later this April. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 It's Whatever. everywhere. I'm done. All right. In related to that, though, for the other distribution deal, finally, after 20 years of legal battles, legendary anime franchise Macross is officially coming to the West. To make a very long story short, LA-based distributor Harmony Gold licensed Macross in the 1980s as a part of Robotech, which you and I should probably do in like three episodes on because mm. that is some interesting stuff. But uh, Harmony Gold thought they were going to get the rights to every series in the franchise. And that is where the trouble began between Big West, uh, sorry, themselves, Big West Company, and several other companies and, and distributors all over the world. As of March 1st, Harmony Gold now has international distribution rights for basically most all Macross films and TV series made since 1987, as well as future Macross properties. Considering how big the franchise is, very nice. No word on streaming distribution yet, but you will hear it from us eventually. The month it happens, we will make we'll bring it up in this segment. Big stuff here. They've also been announcing, like, in terms of the Sony animation deal, mm -hmm. obviously the Mitchells versus the Machines is happening this Friday. Also, Vivo, it's also, a, happening. Yeah. also happening this year and streaming on Netflix. So that's huge. And that means that the Spider-Verse movie is going to be on Netflix, most likely. Don't you think? Yeah, no, it, um, most of the articles we looked at specifically cited that Into the Spider-Verse 2 is going to go to Netflix. And then to Disney+. Plus. God damn it. <laughs> But I'd never really heard of Macross, to be honest. So this was yeah, kind of news so to my eye holes when we first it is. read this. So it's really interesting. Basically, it's a show about alien invasions on Earth. And they have jet planes that turn into mechs. But it's huge in Japan. Like, it's not like Gundam big, but it's up there. It's like the Pepsi to Gundam's Coca-Cola. Except it's more appealing than that. It's also well known because they do like a lot of music stuff associated with it. Like as a celebration of this on YouTube, they released an OVA that is basically a half hour of music videos that are associated with Macross because there's a major character that's a singer and that's a big thing throughout the franchise. I don't like it's a it's a very interesting franchise to say. But in a lot of stuff, you'll generally see it more as Robotech in the West because Robotech was basically to really dumb down Robotech, which we need to do at least one episode on because it's super interesting. But basically, they took three different anime franchises, dubbed it over, and made it into one intergenerational series, wow. syndicated series. It's really interesting. When I was reading the comments on some of these articles, I know some folks were a little like, eh, now it's going to get taken off of YouTube, which means it's less accessible. But you know, hopefully this streaming deal is, th there's going to be a very f charitable streaming deal associated with it. So that seems interesting, and, you know, that Robotech idea seems pretty fun. Speaking of uh, mechanized things and stuff, Netflix announced on April 12th that it will stream the Sunrise Legendary Pictures' live-action Gundam movie. The adaptation is set to be directed and produced by Jordan Voigt Roberts. 
who did Kong Skull Island. It's going to be overseen by Kale Boyder, who did Pokemon Detective Pikachu, and written by Brian K. Vaughn. The writer of acclaimed comics such as Why the Last Man, Runaways, and Saga. That said, on the motion picture side, he's written several episodes of Lost, and he ran Under the Dome. It's going to be very interesting to see. I'm not the biggest Gundam fan. I remember that one Gundam show that was on Toonami in the early 2000s. Gundam Wing? Yes. And then... Those chibi, that chibi Gundam show, like remember that? It wasn't like chibi, but it was like a 3D animated Gundam, and it had yeah, that's that one. I remember you had action figures of that. I did, that I did. You're not proud. (laughs) In any case, I mean it's interesting. I mean it's certainly coming off the news last month about Amazon's live action Helsing movie, Mm -hmm. and certainly because I know they've been trying to make a Gundam movie for decades. I mean, I'm not holding my breath, but it definitely seems like a pretty solid team behind it. Again, it's one of those wait-and-see moments. I mean, Pokemon Detective Pikachu was surprisingly really good. At least I thought it was really good. I mean, it wasn't amazing, I mean, it's, it's, but... It, 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 it had... wasn't amazing, but it was... Like, it engrossed me in the world, mm-hmm. which is what I would wanted that movie to do. So, in very exciting-ish comic book Movie news, the two-part animated adaptation of Batman The Long Halloween has revealed its voice cast. Most notably, Supernatural and Batman Under the Red Hood star Jensen Ackles is slated to voice Batman slash Bruce Wayne. The late Naya Rivera of Glee is Catwoman. Josh Demel of All My Children and Las Vegas is Harvey Dent. Billy Burke of Twilight and Lights Out is James Gordon. Titus Welliver of Lost, Sands of Anarchy, and Bosch is Carmine Falcone. David, I am going to butcher this, David Dastmalchian of Ant-Man, The Flash, Suicide Squad, The Suicide Squad, uh, and also Overland Park native will play Calendar Man, and Troy Baker of The Last of Us and Batman Arkham Origins will play the Joker. Uh, it has also been announced that part one will be rated PG-13 and that part two will be rated R. Which, given what I know about this comic, which is a very, very, probably up there in my favorite Batman comics, definitely makes sense. I mean, if it has Halloween in the title, of course it's going to be your favorite. Well, it's not just about Halloween, it's about a bunch of different holidays. Well, right, but I just know that anything Halloween is up your alley. So... I think the biggest takeaway is Ackles, Jensen Ackles. I mean, he obviously killed it in Under the Red Hood. It'll be interesting to see his take on the Batman character, but that's going to be fun. And then, you know, Troy Baker, he's kind of like a... Is it sad to call him a Mark Hamill impersonation? I would say he's a poor man's Mark Hamill. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think, like, Ackles is kind of a surprise casting, but I think it makes sense. The Long Halloween is considered to be Batman's, like, second or third year as Batman. So it's kind of like a younger one, more, you know, used to being a vigilante, but now he's kind of going from taking on the mob and more fighting supervillains. Spoiler, that's how the arc of the Long Halloween goes. So I think kind of making more of a a take of a younger 
kind of grittier oriented Batman is something Eccles can probably handle pretty well. I agree though, Baker is absolutely a safe bet. It's like his seventh time playing Joker. It's not um, that he does a bad job. It's just like when no, you hear him, you're like, just like, you're like, is that yeah, Mark Hamill kind of, but it sounds different. And then you're like, that's, oh, it's Troy Baker. Yeah, it's Troy Baker. Yeah. It's like, it sounds like, it sounds like the Joker. Makes sense. I expect Titus Welliver is actually going to do a really good job as Falcone. You know, I mentioned Sons of Anarchy and Bosch. He plays a lot of hardened criminals. He has a very good noir sensibility about him and playing the last mob boss of Gotham City. The old guard of the criminal underworld is something that he can pull off very well. So I'm definitely, I'm, I'm like pulling for him to be like a really standout performance from this film. All right. Well, I haven't really caught up with the DC cinematic animated series. Universe. Yeah. If you call it a universe, because then they're all connected, but. Fair enough. The DC animated properties. Yeah. Because there's so many. There's just like. There's so many. Like where Marvel just focuses on its live action, like DC just keeps pushing these projects, which, you know, I'm very happy with because some of those movies are some of my favorite superhero films ever and i still need to watch that that batman rise of dragon or yeah i need to watch that also like batman harley quinn Eh. i guess we have another episode idea in the wings heck we got some uh some funny news and some Some light light news. news thank god Here we go. So there were a couple of Peruvian politicians profiled in March as attempting to garner the country's otaku vote. So Jorge Hugo Romero of Peru's Christian People's Party is known for cosplaying as a member of Naruto's Akatsuki because they are renegade ninjas who Organize against corrupted forces that have caused destruction and war. He sees anime as a way to reach out to young Peruvians currently disengaged from politics. And similarly, Milagros Juarez of the Nationalist Union for Peru appeals to young people by cosplaying as Neon Genesis's Asuka Langley on TikTok. Um, Mm -hmm. so there is some president of otaku politicians garnering wins in South America. Chilean politician Pamela Gills made international headlines last year when she Naruto ran through the Chilean Congress to celebrate passage of COVID-19 emergency aid and is known as say it Dominic. I don't want to, but okay. (laughs) As the Chilean Hokage. So. This is fun. This is a, I am, I don't know if I'm, I am glad. I don't know if I should be glad to live through the era where this is a thing. But at the same time, I am very glad. Like, this is fun. I mean, I don't, I don't really like Juarez's immigration policy. I don't live in Peru though, so maybe I don't really get to have a, an opinion. But no, I mean this is this is I mean she I, I, this is cool. Like she is dressed up as Asuka and Asuka's not that great. Well, unfortunately for you, there are many people that like Asuka. Um, well, I don't. 
I mean, honestly, I think like there's some fun to be had when you're looking at elections and certainly when you're like a lower level politician, you can like really make your personal voice be known as a representative and be a bit more personalized as yourself as a representative. Right. Um, honestly, after like the weird stuff that was happening this month, I think this is a nice piece of fluff news to, in your case, cringe at, my case, laugh at. Laugh well, at. at least they didn't make a Animal Crossing village to visit for an election. Because that's what Joe Biden and Kamala Harris did. Which, I mean, it that's great political strategy, especially connecting with young people. But at the same time, it's just like, really? I'm sure there is a book out there that's just all entirely about bizarre ways people have tried to reach out to different voters. Yeah, and if they, it is not written yet, it should. I be. want a percentage. If you are about to write that, I would like a percentage of royalties for giving you the idea. <laughs> like 1% of the royalties. Heck yeah. So before we dive into some awesome trailers, check out some more from our sponsors. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Okay, so... We got a lot left, so let's just get through these trailers. Batman The Long Halloween Part 1, we talked about it earlier, but the the trailer, it's good. It's okay. I mean, it's it, it's in the, a lot of the complaints I've heard, and this is my complaint too, is that it's in the house style of the DC, DC animated, animated movies, universe. which I'm isn't, so annoyed. you're so tired. I'm tired of it. As soon as Justice League War came out, I liked that movie. But as soon as that was made, they're like, you know what? Why don't we make every movie from here on out like that animation? And honestly, that has turned me away from watching a lot of the DC animated movies that have been coming out. Which is sad because there's a lot of creative ones. But at the same time, it's like, I don't want to hear the same actors... Like, there's only so much of a connected universe I want. And I felt like the DC animated movies at first were about, like, presenting new stories with different art styles. Like Justice League New Frontier or Flashpoint Paradox, which at first wasn't supposed to connect with the whole cinematic universe. But apparently it does now with the whole Justice League, not dark, but the uh, Apocalypse one. Yeah, I was like, yeah, come on. Well, I was going to say, like, on the note of art, that is, like, the big thing that people are complaining about it. Like, the artist for The Long Halloween, his name is Tim Sale, and it's a really good-looking comic, and his art is, like, super well-known. Like, this is one of his magnum opuses. Like, his art for The Long Halloween is a big deal. I mean... The movie looks nothing like it. That comic um, influenced a lot of the Christopher Nolan Batman films. It did, because it's awesome. But visually, like, it would be f hard, but it would definitely be worth putting in the time and effort to make an animated, you know, you probably have to be 
super true to form, but you can definitely like have the same feel. And this doesn't have that same world gone mad feel that the comic has. I thought it was okay, but like a lot mm. of those DC animated trailers, they're just like, okay. All of their trailers have like the text, a snippet, text, a snippet, actors, mm -hmm. a snippet. It's just like, just Come give, on, guys. give just me a give cinematic trailer, please. Honestly, I'm excited for this one. Base Jam, yeah. a new legacy. I liked the trailer. It's definitely going to be an interesting film, especially when they have like the entire Warner Brothers universe <laughs> like surrounding it. I mean, the freaking Iron Giant, no matter how many times. And the Serververse run by Don Cheadle. <laughs> So many people made comparisons to Ready Player One, mm -hmm. which is a very apt comparison. Right. I will say, like, the animation stuff, like, Shaq, that is Shaquille O'Neal in the movie, right? No, it's LeBron. Fuck. Come on. LeBron, that's that's I, so I don't obvious. Sports. I don't sports. They okay. say his name in it. I know. Did you watch that the trailer? You, that should tell you. That should tell you where I was about this trailer. Anyway, no, I mean animated LeBron is cool. The 3D versions of the Looney Tunes characters are pretty well done, but I think the epic remix of the Space Jam theme song is a little too on point. But I mean, it looks fine. I think it'll be fun. I mean, honestly, is Space Jam really that much of a classic? I mean, without it, we wouldn't get Lola Bunny. And you know how people are pissed off about Lolo's redesign, which is I, a little unwarranted. But you know, uh, whatever. Who cares? Who cares? But anyway, I, I, I um, like. I'm, I'm excited for it. Even though it's not a film I go back to over and over again, Space Jam's. I, I feel fun. like it's a classic. It's just all '90s. It's just a '90s film. HBO Max's entire slate can just be called '90s movies made 30 years later. Right. Tom and Jerry, mm -hmm. Mortal Kombat, mm -hmm. and Space Jam: New Legacy. Oh, and Matrix Four. Let's talk about let's talk about something that makes us happier. Yasuke, Netflix. Yasuke, Yasuke. I, mean, I, th I think it looks cool. I think it looks badass. I'm excited. Obviously, we talked about it in the past, and the teaser and the trailer came out, and mm -hmm. the executive producer is the executive producer to the boondocks and i can totally see the comparisons like mm -hmm. the animation style on the boondocks was great and this one's even better it's gonna be good i i have it a is. good feeling about this one i think the big standout to me is the music i really love that flying lotus is doing the soundtrack and i love that that's like up front and center on both the teaser and the trailer like that is awesome hell yeah bell full trailer from uh, Studio Chizo, I am impressed that a minute-long trailer is considered full, especially in comparison to like all the rest of these like that have like two-minute-long trailers. <laughs> I will say I do like the trailer quite a bit though, and it's, it just looks really dope. If I'm going to be honest, I feel like Summer Wars. This is like Summer Wars on crack in terms of animation style for the studio and. It's going to have those elements of 3D that are have that kind of like 2D-ish aspect to it, especially anime-wise. But, you know, 
I think it works. It does work. And they're specifically using it for the computer world scenes. So I think that'll work out well. Yeah, yeah. Could be be a good balance. It's going to be very beautiful, so. Adventure Time, Distant Lands, Together Again, which is coming out in May on HBO Max. That was a surprise drop when we tried recording. Yeah, last week. Yeah. You know, it's going to be good to see the old gang back together because we had the BMO one. We had the Marceline and Bubblegum, which I still haven't seen yet, but obviously I've heard good things. I thought it would be like later, like after its tentacle like show end, but this looks like it happened during the show time, like during like the arc, you know? Yeah, definitely feel, I think this is going to feel the most like an epic level version of an Adventure Times episode. Yeah. So, and this is where he has his robot arm. So that's good. Okay. I think so. That, that was in the trailer, right? Well, it's hard to tell because Finn has so many arms. Yeah. Arms in this show. Yeah, it has his robot arm in it. So I still haven't watched the end of Adventure Time. I kind of know what happens, but, you know, Adventure That's, Time is still a classic, especially for the 2010s. And, like, it's a staple of modern animation, like children's animation, so... Mm-hmm. definitely gotta give it a shot Castlevania season 4 I have not seen Castlevania so take the wheel I feel so weird about this I I can't I knew he finished the 4th season I had no idea I, so I've danced around this quite a bit so Castlevania is written by Warren Ellis who until last year was probably my favorite author like writer period Castlevania in my mind was never his best work but it was always so itself it was hard to it was hard it's hard to dislike it on that basis Mm -hmm. because it was just kind of unique in itself but when the stuff came out about his actions towards a lot of his female assistants and mentees it god it felt very weird and like news about this stuff nothing about it for months so we actually finally get some news about it. Uh, we get an actual teaser that's pretty plain. Uh, we get everyone in their voice acting good form. Uh, they've officially stated it's going to be the final season, which makes sense, considering that what was up with Warren. But that said, it's hinted by Netflix that they're going to do some kind of expanded universe stuff with characters from other Castlevania games. I think they've heard... I think the, the biggest comparison I've heard is like JoJo's Bizarre Adventure, where it's kind of like generational people fighting vampires um but (laughs) god it feel very weird about this that said on happier news another show i like and one that i have less conflicting feelings about love death robots season two may 14th i am excited love the different animation styles of course which Mm -hmm. that's was one of the biggest positives about last season I'm I'm excited because it gives a brand new set of uh, eyes to adult animation as well as just like regular animation. I mean, I know most of it was adult, but there were some moments where it just wasn't adult animation. It just was simple stories that I really enjoyed. And 
it's going to be awesome to see the different styles of animation and the stories because the stories are fun and the animation is can be super unreal like in terms oh, yeah. of like the ones that look so real that it's uncanny and honestly this next season doesn't look like it's going to disappoint um and we have like stop motion I don't think we've had any information released yet on who I expect studio blur is going to come back, but I mean, just like looking at this stuff, I'm really excited. One thing that stands out to me though, is just how different the season two trailer is from the season one trailer. So this season two trailer is like very Oscar, almost like Oscar nomination. E like, it's kind of kind of got this um, orchestral background to it it's like showing all this cool stuff and it's almost like kind of poignant and heartfelt versus the season one trailer which was techno like really fast drum and bass and violence and you know more animation and a lot more like dark comedy type stuff i don't know if it means anything but it's it's very it's kind of weirdly interesting in terms of the the branding in a sense I, I get that, and um, I, I'm I'm just excited just in general because it's got excellent animation and everything, and the oh, yeah. stories from last season were freaking incredible. So definitely excited for that. Also, a uh, trailer for Netflix, Pretty yeah. Guardian Sailor Moon Eternal trailer, and I got to say, as someone who hasn't really watched a lot of Sailor Moon, Maybe like one or two episodes personally. I know you used to watch it, especially mm-hmm. since it was on Toonami, but the animation looks good. <laughs> it does. Just damn, this is like I mean this whole like I like Domic, I am not someone who likes Netflix trailers. hmm But this is like like I had no idea this was coming to Netflix. I kinda knew it was coming out. But I watch this and you hear the kind of like the mantra, the Sailor Moon mantra, whatever that is, in different languages and then get the drop and then it's like really good synthwave music and it's like, I am in, like I am like involved, like this looks good. So yeah, first time like a Netflix trailer has ever gotten me hype for something coming to Netflix. Very good, very good stuff. Definitely going to have to check it out when it comes out. Now, what have we been watching lately, Parker? A lot of stuff. And unfortunately, I'm going to start us with Candy Carries, which is a stop-motion short. It's about a minute long, about the importance of brushing your teeth and or befriending your toothache. And it's made by Wit Studios, a.k.a. the same people that did uh, Legend of Korra. So it's... um, Yeah, I watched it, and that was a weird trip, man. Yeah, my note was, I am not nearly drunk enough for this. It's, I mean, I'll say this, it's a fun short. It's it's good stop motion. It's really fluid stop motion. It's got this, like, kind of 90s PBS aesthetic to it that I enjoy. Or 90s, like, Nickelodeon aesthetic to it that yeah. I can appreciate. Mm-hmm. But, um, it, it, it's in the it's in the description. Go watch it. It's, it's a minute of your life, and it's not a minute you're going to waste. For sure amphibia yes so things are getting pretty interesting especially with sasha coming back Mm -hmm. and 
Of course, she had that very epic anime moment where she takes off the armor and it's like Piccolo and Goku, and it's just like, I'm ten times it's, stronger than you. And it's just like, come on. That is the greatest weighted clothes scene ever. <laughs> now, I've been seeing all these videos lately about how great Owl House is, which I'm not trying to hate on Owl House. I just think it's okay. Amphibia is just so good on all levels. Like, from top to bottom. And I'm so annoyed that not enough people are talking about it. You know? It's like one of the few Disney shows that are just like, no matter what episode you're watching, it gives you quality content. Those small episodes don't feel like filler. Yeah, I mean, the God, the one that was before Battle of the Bands. The one with the temple. Thank you. Oh, okay, so it just was Third the temple, temple one. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah. Oh, okay, wow, so that was, okay. I, like, watched these, like, days apart, so I'm, like, I didn't realize that they were the same one. Okay, no, yeah, that was, that was cool, but I think, like, but straight up, Battle of the Bands, despite it being kind of a filler episode, might be my new favorite episode of the series, because it's, like, the thing that Amphibia does well is that there are truly no filler episodes. Every episode is at least about, if it's not forwarding the plot and developing the relationships of the characters, it is at least having a focus on the characters' relationships. Whether it's Spring and Polly, whether it's the human trio, it's a... And, you know, that's why the Battle of the Bands works, because we're getting more insight into Sasha as a as kind of this domineering egotistical person who does ultimately care about her friends and it's a it's a fun and there are like awesome little character moments also in there it's just like this is like the robot finally like showing up because yeah the robot was such a like interesting figure in the first part of the season where like after every episode show this robot continuing to inch closer and closer it shows up and it's just like this cute little robot, but we don't really know what its main purpose is if there's like a hidden agenda to it. And there's two interweaving plot threads where it's like the Toads and Sasha gonna attack and then the King of Utopia and what's her name? Wendy? The the other girl, the third. Sasha. Sasha um... and isn't it Wendy? No, it's not Wendy. Uh, Wendy right? is the, um, I think Wendy is Sprig's not girlfriend, which also really good episodes with her this season. Yes. Um, okay, I need to see what her name is. Marcy. Marcy, Marcy, Thank you. Marcy. Yep. There we God go. God damn, I am. Is she forgettable? She's not. Like, she has, I mean, Marcy is kind of a forgettable name, but she's not a forgettable character. Um,. I mean, I wish they had... You know, I take that back. She had a, like, a really good episode with the goth frog girl. But other like, than that, that episode, th- it's that like... That was a fun little moment. You get some good like insight into into Marcy. I will say Marcy is not a great name, but she is a fun character. But I feel like she's also, after Newtopia, she has kind of taken a backseat, at least in my mind. Yeah, she's a little... In the shadows. Uh, I think that Marcy and the King of Utopia are going to end up being the main antagonists. Yeah. 
I think that'll be a. I'm 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 interested in seeing how the Toad Rebellion, the Toad Coup, is gonna influence in with like King Andrian's own thing that he has going. Yeah, his on. own scheme. Because I think it's gonna yeah. be a three-way battle between Wartwood, the Toads, and Newtopia, and yeah. I feel like. It's not going to be like Marcy and Anne on one side versus Sasha. I feel like all three are going to be pitted against each other. That is my prediction. I'm looking forward to it. Heck uh, yeah. Season finale is coming up this Saturday, probably around when this comes out. Definitely let us know what you think. Final Space has been also getting pretty damn good, especially this past episode. Man. Yeah. The way it's been connecting everything that's happened in the first two seasons has been pretty inventive and incredible from Little Kato not being related to Avocado and being the heir apparent to the kingdom that is of... The Trexian royalty. Yes. And seeing that Quinn becomes Nightfall... Or kind Once of an we, we, origin story to it. Yeah, that was that. I was not expecting that. I was expecting like something would not have happened, or something like that. Like that would have been averted, but it wasn't. Which makes you almost think that Gary isn't out of the clear yet. All the characters are great, and yeah, I forget their names so easily. There's so many animated are, shows, man. We are not doing great with names tonight, man. Well, hey, we get to we we learned about where the Kevins come from. That's cool. <laughs> and it it's the guy's crazy. No surprise yeah. there. Uh but he's voiced by Tom Kenny, and that's awesome. Yes. And then Girl Sorcerer. Ash. Ash. I should play by Ashley Birch. Come on. Yeah. Ash Hey Ash, what you playing? Um <laughs> <laughs> gets a no, whole um, new redesign and yeah. oh and an eye. She gets a whole like one whole other eye. It's gonna get crazy and man, Olin Rogers keeps killing it with a great mix of fun comedy but amazing emotional moments. Yeah, he's really banking in on the heartfelt side with this season, and it's you know, I know a lot of people don't like Triborg because he's a little too ridiculous sometimes. But honestly, I I'm glad we've had some of his more comedic moments because we just need a little bit more levity in this show. What's really weird is Triborg is one of the most non-consequential characters in the series so far, but this season's trying to make it so that he is consequential. Because yeah, of the, the whole, resistance. like, resistance joke keeps happening, but they're also giving him an actual, like, arc and mission. But I think Parker's favorite show of the month is neither of God, these. Try, try show of the year so far. Like, I'm sorry, Kid Cosmic. You came this cl- You were this close, but I knew I would like Invincible. I didn't know how much I would like it, <laughs> which is a lot. Well, I'll say this. It is also the first thing I look forward to on Fridays. And that was also oh, yeah. during the time that Falcon and Winter Soldier was coming out and other properties were coming out on Fridays. This is the one I was excited about the most. And once I watched those first three episodes all on a plane ride, I was like, okay, 
I'm invested, especially after the first episode. Yeah. The acting's great. This is the most stacked voice cast I've ever seen in a show. Wow. Ever. Like, Justin Roiland plays a one-off semi-joke character. Mark Hamill plays the older, vaguely Jewish tailor guy that makes the superhero costumes. And that's like the bit roles. And then like you have like all these also other like like you have a combination of like super high grade like film like screen actors, but also you get like some amazing voice talent like Kevin Michael Richardson playing the Mauler twins, which is amazing. And you have you have Gray doing her awesome thing with like all of her stuff. Tom Kenny's also in it and Tom Kenny is also in it. Freaking freaking John Ham is has like five minutes of screen time. It's really weird his role. character it's like, because it's like trying to connect. He's only showed up in two episodes, but I was like, I was kind of hoping that each episode he showed up, like, yeah, because it's I so think, random at the beginning. Well, it makes I think the I, I just I think the thing with John Ham's character is that he is a stepfather. He's an adoptive father, mm-hmm. and he has this honestly really. Like he's had to like really build this relationship with his stepson in comparison to Omni-Man and Invincible who have a biological father-son relationship, but there's kind of, it's beginning to fray. And with this next episode, I think we're going to see just how it unravels. Yeah. Things are going to get insane next episode because it's the last episode of the season, I think. Yeah, it is. Like, it's going to be like, it's like, like, Invincible knows his dad is a murderer now. We had this, like, entire, like, thing where Omni-Man was just, like, trying to get, like, that was the crux of the thing. The entire show is about Mark and his father's relationship, and and that is working super well because that whole chase is just his father trying to get to Mark before... Cecil does or before and, and try to tell his side of the story mm-hmm. and it's just like <gasps> it's just like he gets like routinely blocked by stuff and it's like god damn this is good yeah it's gonna be a very awesome finale I'm excited um, now, I gotta ask I did kind of get spoiled though well that's fair I mean I've actually read the comics so right. I so I I will say I am going to be forever disappointed that I did not watch you watch the first episode especially the last part of the first episode yeah <laughs> yeah i'm i'm never gonna experience that so i gotta it's like walk okay. me through it would you how low was your jaw when you watched that happen so tell me when i'm getting close i saw the clip of that before i saw the episode oh well, there you go. so i got spoiled but seeing it i was like shit like that was graphic like the whole, I I thought the head crushing thing wasn't the biggest one. It was the one with the Batman knockoff guy with the hoverboard yeah. where he just yeah, slams him down. And he just <laughs> flat. Yeah. It's like, I was just like, <laughs> fuck, dude. Like, <laughs> Jesus. You know, the whole immortal thing, which getting to see that he's technically Abraham Lincoln was hilarious. <laughs> it's mm-hmm. like, yes. <laughs> um, but. 
obviously Invincible is kick-ass and awesome, and we are excited for what is going to happen this Friday as of this podcast coming out. Tell me about Solar Opposite Season 2, dude. I told myself I wasn't going to watch it. Mm-hmm. I told myself I would give myself a break. I don't need to watch this one. I ended up watching it. Yeah. And you know what? It was actually, like, good. Like, like way it, better it, it, than it, it was? Way better than season one. Like, much more even. I think they finally, like, found their comedic voice. I think they've really upped their game. Uh, they have a lot more focus on kind of the dense sci-fi shenanigans rather than the fish-out-of-water stuff. It leads to a bunch of, like, really fun, absurdist comedy. This is almost like kind of a more sci-fi-oriented South Park in a lot of ways. And it's become a lot better show in that regard. The fact it's also a shorter season helped. Like, it, it just, like, made... Th- th- there was a lot less room, so they were able to compile all their best material into fewer shows. And honestly, the wall stuff was as good as ever. I watched the first five or six episodes of Jujutsu Kaisen. Oh, you did? Yeah, I did. It is a show that I know you have watched and like. So it was something I was like, you know, I'm going to try it out. And I like the premise so far. Granted, I've only five episodes deep, but I like this kind of mix of comedy and like action and intensity and like kind of horror elements to it, but not crazy horror elements. It's kind of like not super scary, but it's spooky. It's spooky. It's got some spookiness to, to it. And I really like it uh, so far. I love the comedicness of it. And I like how positive the main character is, even though he's dealt with such BS, especially turning mm-hmm. himself into a curse and seeing that like dynamic between him and the kind of big baddie in his own body. <laughs> I like that dynamic. And also... For the first season, the outro is bomb. Like, I mean, you probably They're, know. I listen to that song literally every day ever since I've listened to yeah, it. Yeah, because it's because it's amazing. It's yeah, fantastic. No, you're right. It's like a really. So remember when we talked about that Crunchyroll thing a while back, the mm-hmm. Crunchyroll Awards? Yeah. And how basically Jujutsu Kaisen was winning a bunch of them, despite the fact it had just come out. Right. And this is why. Man, wait till you get to like the tournament arc. Yeah, because they're uh, I'm on the episode where they asked the first years to join the team because the third years got suspended. So, oh yeah, yes. So that'll be interesting. Where we meet Panda for the first time, and I'm like, huh, what the hell is this? There's a talking panda. I want there to be explanation soon. Oh, you'll 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 get it. It won't be soon, but there will be an explanation. Hell yeah! I don't know if you'll like it. Well, don't tell me that. Hey, so anyway, got anything else, bud? I was watching Attack on Titan. Mm-hmm. I'm kind of liking that they're breaking up the season because it's uh. So yeah, the second half of the last season isn't due until I think fall. I think it's gonna come out autumn, the autumn anime season. Um, so we're clear on making the farewell Attack on Titan episodes for a while. But no, it's been fun. It's been doing a lot of the political shenanigans. Uh, we got a Zeke-oriented episode. It was just one episode, so it was pretty good. Actually, it was the first episode my girlfriend watched. Mm-hmm. And 
I thought she was going to be really lost watching it, but she's like, yeah, no, I get where this guy's coming from. I have a good, like, I'll get the rest of this show, but I get where this guy's coming from. It's like, okay, that's good. I'm really interested in seeing how this eventually, uh, eventually pans out. I think it'll be, I think it'll be an interesting way to close out one of the biggest anime series of the 2010s. Now I read the rest of the manga, so I know how it goes. Um, recently, mm-hmm. I just kind of binged it. I'm not going to spoil anything because you probably haven't read it. But I don't know if you're going to love the ending, but it's definitely a controversial one. I have heard that. My quick question is, I know the animation changed this season compared to the last three. What do you think of that? It's not great. Yeah, Uh, Oddly enough, so Studio Mappa is doing both Attack on Titan and Jujutsu Kaisen. So it's a interesting dichotomy. Right. between the two especially considering that honestly i'm gonna i'm gonna agree attack on titan is a little weak in comparison to jujitsu kaisen mm-hmm. now before we talk about a series that unfortunately technically ended i wanted to talk about arlo the alligator boy it's the new netflix movie that came out and it's also going to have a series called i love arlo in it uh, and it's basically just kind of like uh the last kids on earth kind of deal so it has a movie first and then a series i thought the animation was fun it kind of reminded me of like cranium do you remember cranium i remember the board game cranium Mm -hmm. okay it reminded me of that kind of art style okay okay i get where uh, i've seen uh, stills of Arg of of Arlo. So I think I get where you're coming from. It remind because Teacher's Pet was made by the guy. That art was made by the guy who made Cranium. But I thought it was fun. They have an American Idol contestant voice Arlo, and for an American Idol guy that I didn't really know of, I thought he did a great job. And it's a musical, and there's a lot of musical elements to it. Though I think the biggest thing that I didn't like about it and it wasn't the music because the music is good i really like the music uh more 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 is probably my favorite but there's also uh change yourself and other great songs like the biggest song right now is called follow me home with mary lambert who wrote all the music for the movie i think the main thing is how it connects like the gang together that goes (laughs) to new york because there's a moment where they're like, Arlo, you changed our lives and everything, and you're one of our best friends. And, like, I didn't feel that. You know? There there wasn't really a good connection, at least to the buildup of the character dynamics. But with I Heart Arlo that's going to be coming out on Netflix later this year, they probably are going to do a better job at the dynamics and the character development and the relationships way better. But I just felt gotcha. like that was probably the weakest part of the movie. However, mm-hmm. it was a, I thought it was okay. It's definitely one of those films that just was like a good one and done, but I will admit I have been listening to the music a lot lately. Well, definitely. I think I'm going to go ahead and put that onto my watch list. And in the meantime, I can watch that while mourning with regards to Infinity Train Season 4. So this is obviously before the first season, the what where it takes place. Yeah, set chronologically before the yeah. first season. Mm-hmm. 
it was cool to see Canadians. Yeah, that was uh, Asian Canadians. Low key, low key Canadianness there. I like how it's definitely set in like the nineties. I thought it was the eighties. I felt it's like the nineties because Canada has always had the joke of being ten years behind the U.S. So I felt like that's Canada in the nineties. I mean, I was thinking there it was Canada in the eighties. Ryan, he looks like David Bowie is a kid. He has the Ziggy Darda, Z- Ziggy Stardust look in the flashback. Yeah, but that was him as like a little kid, and they're going, they're in their college age. Yeah, so I was thinking that they were kids in the seventies, and then they at this point it's the nineteen eighties. Huh. Beyond that, though, in my opinion, pretty solid last season. Very back to basics in some ways. Unfortunately, it's the last season. It would have been interesting to see where they go from here. Uh, or at least where they could have gone from here. It is kind of a simpler one compared to the other two. Okay, so the book is set between the mid and late 80s, so you were right on that. I thought it was the mm-hmm. 90s. So... The season was fun. It was nice seeing like two on one train at once and seeing them kind of work out their like friendship, which I thought was going to go a completely different direction for some reason. I just felt like Hmm. I didn't think it was going to end up the way it did. I thought it was going to end up like, let's work through our crap and move on. Rather than let's form a band again. Because I thought the whole thing was just like trying to see that even though they were friends, just their paths are so different that I don't know. It was a nice ending. Seeing them play in New York was cool. And I loved the kind of the narrative of all the previous cars were trying to get to the last car that they were in. How each character from each subsequent car was going to impact the last moment which i thought was good i thought it was pretty simple i didn't think it was the most compelling book of the four you know there's less of a of a twin peaks must watch like game of thrones must see tv quality to it it's a lot much of a simpler story because at this point you know you're you know unless you started watching infinity train on season four you have a good beat for what the train is like at this point. So at this point, you really can just focus on the relationship between the two characters. But apparently, according to Owen Dennis, he said that book five was going to be planned to be Amelia's takeover of the train. That took place written, during this. written book five. Yeah. So there's, there's an awesome YouTuber that gained information knowing what books five through nine were going to be because he had plans up till book nine. But of course, you know, we don't get good things. So there's the hashtag finish infinity train. That's going to happen on April 29th on Twitter. And there is actually going to be a giveaway. So, I mean, well after we release this, but you know, I'm hoping it's going to be a pretty fun day of tweeting at HBO max to bring back the series and also if you're tweeting you'll get some good swag out of it and that 
was it for this month. What are we looking forward to next month? I mean, Yasuke is coming out literally this Friday, as well as, you know, Mitchell's versus the Machines, Love, Death, and Robots, Castlevania Season 4, Adventure Time, Distant Lands. A lot of stuff is coming out this next month. So It'll be interesting rewatching Castlevania. I'm going to rewatch it with my girlfriend because she's a really big Graham McTavish fan because uh, Outlander. So I think that'll be a interesting watch together. But yeah, that's what I got in the comments below. Uh, whatever you're listening to on Spreaker, on Spotify, on what have you. Definitely let us know what are you looking What What was your favorite stuff to watch over the month of April? And what are you looking forward to in May? Yes. Like Park said, Spotify, Apple Podcast, Spreaker, SoundCloud, all those places that you're listening to us to. Definitely let us know what you think, what you're looking forward to. Make sure to leave a rating and review. Social media, facebook.com forward slash craftbrewstunes. Instagram at craftbrewstunes pod. Untapped app at craftbrewstunes. Just tell us what you think and everything and be a part of the gang. You know, I'm on Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok as at Dominic Molnar and D Molnar on the Untapped app. I am par underscore quad on the Untapped app, and you can send us an email directly at dominparkproductions at gmail.com. Dominic, what are we doing on the next Craft Brews and Tons of Cartoons? Well, we're taking a quick break. There's not really a set date on when we're coming back. But we got something big planned, and we're just going to let you know it right now. For an entire month, we are going to review Avatar The Last Airbender, books one, two, and three, with some guests that are going to be joining us. My twin brother, Damien, and one of our great friends, Charlie. Uh, They're in the band Lost Stars. And it's going to be a lot of fun. And, yeah, we're going to all do it live. We're going to be together, have a, a good time. And hopefully, with all the good news, with COVID restrictions and everything, and the country kind of opening up more and more, we're going to be able to reunite and give it to you all in one nice series of podcasts. And that is about it. But we don't know an exact date. Hopefully, it's going to be in July. but For July, yeah. Yeah, but we will keep you guys updated as it goes along. But guys, thanks so much for listening, and uh, please be patient with us. And any last words, Parker? Stay safe out there. Make sure you get vaccinated, and if you're able to. And uh, we'll keep you posted. Definitely keep on that Facebook and Instagram because we will be posting stuff in between now and July. Heck yeah. All right. Have a good night. It's